1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Lim Su and together with me in the studio, as always, is Tishao Eek. So this Friday afternoon, we'll be talking about how teachers have been coping with online teaching. So it's been nearly a year since schools were initially closed during the first MCO, um, back from last year in March. So for months, students and teachers have adapted to home-based learning and conducting classes online. They've also had to adjust to switching between online and in-person learning as schools were closed and reopened Several times last year, um, we've also spoken a lot about how students have coped with online learning. But how have teachers been doing, especially now that they've had time to navigate teaching classes online? And what about teachers who are based in rural areas? So we'll be speaking with lien a teacher at a school in rural Perak, to find out his uh, find out about his experience teaching online. Yes, and
0: we want to find out from you uh, a, a more general view. What would help to improve online lessons for students during this pandemic? We have a poll with that. Question on our Twitter account at BFM Radio, and we have four options for you: uh, more teaching resources, better digital access, smaller online classes, or parents' involvement. Tell us what you think. You can tweet us at BFM Radio, or you can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. And uh, before we get into, uh, like you said, so and how teachers like Leanne have been coping with online learning throughout last year as well as this year, let's take a look at what home-based learning has been like for schools for students students um, in general because it's been quite a rocky experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we only look, need to look at the numerous news headlines and experiences that were reported last year by students when it comes to the challenges of remote learning. I mean, one of the main issues, of course, was this question of accessibility, especially in some rural areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can students even do online classes if they don't have things like laptops or even a good internet connection in the first place? You know, um, uh, uh, yeah. I think that's the case for many students last year, which yes. we, we saw in the news. Yes, and this extended
0: to all students in all levels, from primary school all the way up to college and tertiary level. And of course, all of us remember the very striking story of Viviona Mosibin, for instance. And she's the 18-year-old student at University of Malaysia Sabah, and uh, that that um, you know uh, experience that she shared of her uh, studying for her exams by climbing a tree to get a strong and internet a uh, strong and stable internet connection, and in, uh, that's in her remote village in Sabah, uh, Sabana Lang Pitas. And that's 200 kilometers from the capital of Kota Kinabalu. Even further for us here in KL where, you know, I think some of us take data connectivity for granted. That's right. And so Viviona was there for 24 hours studying for her chemistry exam in Pengajian Malaysia. So this simple story, her video really highlighted and brought attention to the fact that in many communities in Malaysia, online learning is a privilege even though it might seem like a given in other um, better-connected countries like the UK or Australia that have managed to adapt to it um, far better. Mm.
1: And even you know, as schools have had several months to adapt to online learning, many poorer families have reported that really little has changed for them in terms of their ability to access these online classes, right? So for instance, Free Malaysia Today spoke with Uma Devi Perasagam from Selangor who, who told the news platform that her children still don't have access to a laptop or tablet and they still need to share their mother's smartphone to access certain classes I mean this is a smartphone you know it's I mean a lot of us own it and we take it for granted and mm. you can realize just looking at the size of the screen how small it is to access. conducive to learning at all no yeah. I imagine it wouldn't be right and it's especially difficult um for for this uh for this woman since uma Devi had lost her job last year and she's had to resort to selling food by the roadside to care for her family and pay for access to mobile data yeah so that's
0: on the um you know sort of the the hard work and then, you know, teachers and parents have also been lamenting about the uncertainty around when schools were reopened permanently. So as you said, schools have closed and reopened several times over the last year, and there are concerns that the Education Ministry hasn't uh, adequately addressed this constant shift between online and in-person learning. And education experts have said that students could fall behind in their education as a result because when schools return to online learning after doing in-person classes, families, like you said, who don't have that access to a stable internet connection or electronic devices then fall behind. Some academics have even gone as far as to say that young students today could end up being the, and I quote here, lost generation if solutions aren't found to ensure that students can keep up with their education syllabus.
1: Yes, and you know, going back to the topic of accessibility, the government has acknowledged that it is a problem and they have rolled out measures to help students get on board with online learning. I mean, the Finance Ministry last year announced that under budget 2021, one, 150,000 students across 500 schools will be getting free laptops as part of their pilot program to increase access to online learning. Um, I mean, we've also seen some MPs individually take up the initiative to address accessibility, right? Like more MP Said Sadiq, who raised, um, you know, two hundred thousand ringgit to buy 100 laptops for students in his MUA constituency. Mm,
0: that's not all, though. Um, to address the issue of internet access, Perbadanan Kota Buku has also developed a digital textbook app on behalf of the Education Ministry. It's called the KPM e-textbook reader so students can access their school textbooks free of charge at textbook.moe.gov.my They won't need internet access and they can open up these books, these e-books using their smartphones, laptops or tablets.
1: Yeah, and this year you know, the Education Ministry is also expanding class offerings via TV programmes so communications and multimedia minister Datuk Sri Saifuddin Abdullah announced that RTM will release a new channel dedicated to help students access the government's teaching and learning from home programme or otherwise known as PDPR, so it will expand on existing education TV programs that spend nine hours on TV, OK, as well as NTV Seven and Astro. So, according to the Director General of Education, Dr. Habiba Abdul Rahim, increasing the airtime of educational programs on TV will help more families, as she says that more than ninety percent of Malaysians have a television in their homes mm, compared to um, digital access, yes, which yeah. are far more expensive and and because you would need you one on the data as well, yes, and yeah. you would need one. Um, device per child as well. Mm. So
0: um, looking at home learning from the perspectives of teachers now, many have said that of course they prefer in-person classes because, you know, students who, uh, well, students who can or or have the ability to access online learning um, have other challenges. Uh, Mm. They tend to not pay as much attention on video calls and, you know, even for us adults attending (laughs) Zoom meetings, I think.
1: It's tiring after two Zoom meetings. (laughs) Let alone nine hours of
0: classes. (laughs) I know. And (laughs) something Teachers have even reported that students are frequently skipping classes. You know, um, given the nature of the the, the engagement. Um, other teachers, like mathematics teacher Muhammad Cairo Izudin Shahari in Kelantan, uh, when speaking to Free Malaysia Today, um, voiced concerns about the government's last-minute decisions to close down schools after teachers um, have planned for in-person classes for the long term. So, uh, in this interview with FMT, Muhammad Cairo said that uh, when the government reverted to online learning towards the end of 2020 last year, and this was after schools had reopened in June, right? Mm. Uh, and then schools went back to online learning. Um, Mohammed Cairo said that this kind of approach is, and I quote here, "too last minute for schools to make the necessary preparations.
1: Yeah, we've seen a lot of teachers and organisations like the Mlanka Action Group for Parents in Education, who have also been urging parents to be more proactive in helping teachers to fill in these gaps when it comes to online learning. So generally, there have been suggestions for Parents to ensure that their children attend the classes, that they come up with a schedule to help students focus and be more on the hand, uh, to be more hands on. Sorry, in terms of being aware of the assessments students need to complete, and these suggestions have increased in light of the fact that the education ministry made a last minute decision to close schools after they were scheduled to reopen on January twentieth, with the exception of in person classes for kindergarten students and those taking national exams like the SPM. Of, of course, mm. I mean. Shall I, mean, I have to ask. I mean, you you have a, a young child. How mm. have you know you and your son coped with online learning? And um, so it's been tough. It's been a very
0: very difficult journey for uh, for my husband and I and and, and for my young six year old. Um, granted, he's not in the government um, mm. education system just yet, so he's at the kindergarten level. Um, but you know, uh, your point that you just made about uh some education groups calling for parents to be more proactive by default, we've had to be, um, but even that is a challenge for many parents who are um, mostly working. Uh, whether we are working from home or those of us in essential services who are um, working at our offices, um, that that ability to juggle um, caring for our children's um, learning, uh, making sure that they keep in touch with the online classes and whatever homework that comes after, is an unimaginable burden um, we have newfound respect for teachers that's for sure <laughs> um, and I've come to notice and, and just from my observation teachers are trained in this mm-hmm. teachers are trained to teach teachers are trained to guide kids teachers are trained to recognize when students are doing well when they're not coping when they're struggling and, and to be able to take action parents are not trained to teach mm-hmm. all we're doing really is running along after the child gasping for breath <laughs> Um, we, our kids are not listening to us. They will listen to their teachers because mm. they recognize that that authority. Um, they are not listening to us, unfortunately. I don't know what kind of authority we are exerting, <laughs> if at all.
1: I mean, i i've I've seen you know so many people also share stories on social media about that similar newfound respect for teachers, right? Because parents suddenly realized um, at the early in last year that. Teaching is not as simple as they thought it was. Oh you know, gosh. I've seen so many people share those experiences and I've also seen some teachers um looking for, you know, sort of sharing their experience online and looking for other people to pitch in with innovative ideas because for them they are also struggling to find new ways to keep students engaged. You know, it's not I mean perhaps, you know, students found it interesting a year ago when things everything was still mm. so new, you know, what is the Zoom lessons and Google Classroom and things like that, but I think it's that problem that we mentioned earlier of students skipping classrooms or student not feeling no, interested in it mm. yeah, because as a teacher, how do you grab that attention across the screen right? you're not there in person so I feel like i'm I'm seeing struggles from both sides of the spectrum online I mean for me at least online mostly. absolutely yeah um I feel like
0: um it 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 takes more to translate um in person lessons uh into online lessons than simply just projecting or sharing your screen on, on Google Classroom. Mm. It's more than just um sending PDFs to the parents to be printed out for their kids, right? There's some... The, the very essence of a teacher imparting lessons... Um, has not translated very well for the
1: most part, especially for teachers having to handle large online That's classes. Right. So. Can I, I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for them because they're so used, especially for veteran teachers, right? They're so used to teaching in person for decades, and mm. then suddenly, you know, you everyone has had to had to adapt. I think we've spoken a lot about how children have had to adapt, but it's teachers as well. You know, they've had to learn new skills, and like you said, Sherik, learning how to translate that method of teaching, right? Because it's not going to be the same trying to engage your students, you know, whatever age they are, mm. online. Yeah. Um, um, you know, if,
0: if any any of you teachers are listening, we'd love to hear from you about right. the challenges that you're going through, uh, any innovative methods that you've uh, tried to uh, employ in your online classes. And also we have um, a question on our Twitter at BFM Radio. We're asking you, what would help improve online lessons during this pandemic? Um, our options are more teaching resources resources, better digital access, smaller online classes, or parents' involvement. So take that poll at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us at 0187898899.
1: Yes, and after this we'll be speaking with Lien, who is a school teacher in a rural town in Perak for his experience with online learning and how he's adapted. But we do have to go for a quick break right now. Stay tuned to The Daily Digest BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Lim Su and alongside Xiao Ik in the studio today. And we're talking about, you know, at least before the break, we were talking about how schools have been coping with online learning in general, especially when it comes to access to the necessary resources like laptops and internet connection. And we also touched on some solutions um, the Education Ministry has rolled out thus far, including making textbooks digital um, so students can access them even without an internet connection. And after this, we want to look at how teachers have been coping with online teaching. That's right. Um, but first,
0: we've gotten some responses from you uh, from our Twitter poll where we asked you what would help improve online lessons during this pandemic. Sixty, Almost 62% of you have said better digital access. So we take that to mean devices like laptops and also connectivity, of course, like mm. the, an internet connection, right? Um, 20% of you have said more teaching resources. 11.8% of you say parents' involvement is important. Uh, smaller number, 6.4% said smaller online classes. So do continue um, taking this poll at BFM Radio. Also, WhatsApp us what's your thoughts. Zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and now to understand how online lessons have been like for teachers, we're, uh, we're crossing over to Lian, a school teacher in rural Para, to understand his experiences with navigating all of this. Um, thanks for joining us on the show, Lian. So tell us a bit about yourself. You know, what subject do you teach, and which grade level are your students in?
2: Uh, I'm teaching in a local primary school here in Para, uh, because my school is a very small school. It's called Skola Kurang Murid, SKM, as we call it. So basically, I teach mostly English. But when it comes to subject allocations, uh, we have got limited resources. And we basically, we have to teach whatever subjects uh, the headmaster or headmistress asks us to teach. Right now, I'm teaching English together with uh, elective subjects like berikan jasmani, kesyatan, moral, etc. Unlike some big schools... Uh, we don't have much choices on picking on the classes or subjects. So for 2021, I'm teaching year one, year four and year five in English and some other subjects for different classes. For 2020, I was teaching year three, year four and year two. So I'm bringing uh, my kids from last year's class to this year's class.
0: And how have you adapted to online lessons since the first MCO happened in March last year?
2: Um, My school was doing quite well because uh, since One Best Net was used uh, from years ago, uh, we have started using it. And maybe because uh, personally, I like text very much and it's much easier for me. So uh, we started blended learning during the One Best Net and after that, the ministry, the whole government thing was changed. Uh, so we were provided with Google Suite, with Google Classroom. So like, we have been using it for three years. I mean, mainly it's because I like text very much and it, it's much easier for me to have everything in my smartphone and I can use it in school as well. And what I did was I will put my materials online and be, uh, ask pupils to go home and take a look for it. And then I will teach in school. But it wasn't really much of a focus uh, because we are still in a very much examination-oriented system. So they encourage us to use it, but it's not a compulsory thing. Uh, Pupils, they loved it, especially when I brought them into the computer lab. They can use the computers, they can play games, and they have a chance to use the computers. And I think that's what makes them enjoying the class so much. So blended learning was uh, used in my school for years. So right now, uh, since the last MCO, so immediately we switched to online learning. But the problem is um, we use computers in school. But back home, not many people are using computers, especially for young kids like that. So we weren't given the chance to teach them how to use the apps. So we were doing a lot of troubleshooting and customer service, and we need to seriously like teach them step-by-step and even prepare PowerPoint presentations to teach them how to use the apps. And that's a problem. Uh, It's tiring because uh, we were provided with textbooks, physical textbooks. And we will have to convert them into the presentation slides one by one. So the converting part is the tiring part. And together with data collection procedures, we will have to fill in the forms every time we carry out online learning. So it's like everybody's chasing our butts for all different kinds of like how how much time you have to use for your online learning and how do they do your homework in at home and how do they get online with what kind of devices and do they have any kinds of troubles. And this is really tiring.
0: And how have your students adapted?
2: Most, mostly are fine, but uh, some kids, they are really bored because they can't go out much. And uh, this is a... It, it needs a lot of cooperation from the parents. And without the, the cooperation from the parents, right, most of my kids, they join the class then they join the class because they want to talk to their friends. They want to talk to me. And after that, when I upload my materials online, they just sort of like ignore it. And they couldn't finish the task. And that is the problem for me because the tasks are needed for the assessments. And those who do the task every time, they will keep on doing it. But those who don't, yeah, they've been disappearing for me. And I didn't see quite a few of my kids since last year. We did go back to school uh, in 2020, and I asked them personally. They say they were playing games. Uh, the parents weren't at home, so they didn't bother to join the class because they, because kids okay, don't really see the importance of getting engaged in the education even though there's a pandemic going around. So I think, again, uh, there's only so much we teachers can do at home. So that's why I say parents are really, really, really important in such cases.
1: So one issue that's cropped up quite frequently in rural schools is accessibility to equipment and a stable internet connection to ensure that online learning is possible in the first place, right? Has this been an issue with your students?
2: Uh, My school is located in the rural area, but for 4G connection, it's still okay. But I think it's because of the awareness of uh, different data plan and different kinds of smartphones which they are going to use. And some of it, they, they, I, I don't think they know about the unlimited plan yet. So they waste a lot of money on it. So I think uh, to tackle this issue, uh, maybe the government or the education uh, ministry, they can give us authority to let the students bring their smartphones to school. We teach them how to use. We let them aware of uh, what kind of smartphones they use. Because seriously, Google Classroom, we don't need expensive smartphones. A cheap ones, right, from Xiaomi or Huawei, it's more than enough for us to use Google Classroom because we teachers, we convert things into slides and YouTubes. Let us have the opportunity to ask the students to bring their smartphones back to school, and we teach them how to use, and maybe it can solve the problems. That, that's what I see from my perspective because mine, my kids are living in a rural area, but uh, their parents, I think they they still can't afford some of the smartphones for their kids.
0: So, uh, Lian, after the first MCO last year, schools have shifted between online learning and in-person classes several times, you know, because they reopened and then closed again. So how have you and your students adapted to those changes?
2: Uh, It's really tough. It's really tough. Because for kids, um, they they wouldn't care so much, I would say. Uh, But then uh, getting stuck at home isn't something they want. They, 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 they wanted to come back to school. That's what I got from my students, especially when they don't have the chance to exercise at home. They can't go out. And especially last year, when the, the schools are closed and reopening again, um, we were receiving tons of directives from different departments, from PPD, from JPN, and even my headmistress, she was personally, um, she's just really tired of it because the different directives can arrive in any time, like late night, and they are chasing us for the data, especially for online learning, because um, we don't have a centralized system yet. So that's why all sorts of different methods are used to collect the data, okay, Google Forms, and we have to fill in this kind of forms, that kind of forms, and different people coming into our classroom for monitoring, and so... Because previously, especially in last MCO, um it, it's it's very new for everybody during that time so uh, they don't know which schools do what so that is why right now they want us to provide data like the time date and the uh, schedule you have with the kids and what kind of materials you use and, and specifically they want uh, they want to know how we teachers assess the students because uh upsr has been cancelled pt3 has been cancelled they want to know how we access them because I think that they are pushing in a new paradigm shift, I think. okay, We want to focus on the school-based assessments rather than the examinations. And I think that's what they want because even right now, when we have online classes, assessments are important because we need to know how do they learn and whether they know what kind of things they are learning at home. And I think this is what they are emphasising right now. But for the kids themselves, they really prefer the physical classes because they get to talk to their friends. They get to see our faces so we can do at least some of the activities in the classroom rather than like looking at the monitors for the whole day.
1: So what type of resources and support has the Education Ministry provided to your school over the past year? And you know, have you found them to be helpful?
2: They have been providing us with apps from Play Store and App Store. And there are lots of trainings for teachers. They sort of like make it compulsory a training for all of the teachers these days. And previously, if you are interested, you can use it. If you don't use it, it's fine. But right now, everybody has uh, to attend the training courses in order to be, uh, you know how to use all these kind of things. And you are familiar with all these apps and the resources from Dilemma. The 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 specific websites are designed for teachers and they have included quite a lot of tools in the website as well. So it's like an all-in-one package. But right now, when the tools are provided to you, the teachers have to fully utilize it. Or else mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter that much. It depends on the efforts of the teachers eventually. Um, We have to teach, and then we have to attend online courses at the same time, online courses at the same time, because we still need to fulfill the the in-service trainings for year for teachers. It's really tiring, but uh, for younger teachers, I think we can still cope better. For older teachers, um, they have uh, bigger troubles compared to us because we, we, we use smartphones all the time, but not them.
1: Mm.
0: Have you also been using other supplementary resources um, to help your students which are not provided by MOE?
2: Yeah, we do. Uh, Previously, if I'm not mistaken, YES, YTL Corporation, they are providing uh, kids with uh, apps and even free phones and data package for them as well. So I want them to use everything they can find. TV programs and newspapers, and I don't really follow everything on the textbook anymore because it's really difficult to still complete the syllabus given. So for me, learning is about uh, learning whatever things you can. And of course, for online classes, we still need to do the skills. So once you have the skills, I think uh, regardless of uh, the methods or the ways we have got, we need to utilize everything you can
1: find so recently the education ministry made a last minute decision to close primary and secondary schools which were supposed to reopen on january 20th and this decision um, was except for kindergartners and students taking national exams so how have you been coping since then given you've had previous experience with online teaching and have had time to adjust
2: uh, we did everything we could to welcome back the kids, uh, tons of SOPs, stickers, and uh, we have to prepare reports. Because Dr. Mahanson say uh, we are going back to schools, regardless of the situation, but uh, suddenly classes were canceled, so we have to change everything again. And because of the pressures from different departments and communities, I think Uh, The KPM itself, MOE itself is receiving tons of criticism as well. So that is why uh, they are chasing us for all the data. They need to collect the data in order to show to the public that uh, online learning is indeed a must these days. And maybe due to the pandemic, we can't go back to school anytime soon. That teachers are really teaching and students are really learning. And that's why they are chasing us for the data. But it, it's definitely easier and the students are no longer having much troubles logging in using the specific uh, emails provided by the MOE and students are able to do different tasks according to my needs and they are able to do presentation slides. They are able to do recording, simple recording about themselves present, presenting something. But still, uh, the main problem is the lack of distance, I think, because when I teach in the class itself, we can see the different kinds of emotions shown by the pupils and personally myself as well. But talking to screens, it's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't really like it. I still want to go back to school compared to all the things I need to do at home right now. Everybody is tiring. It's, it, it, we are really tired because of that.
0: Mm. And uh, are you aware of any additional initiatives that the government plans to roll out in the upcoming weeks to support both students and teachers?
2: Um, They are providing us with the module for PDPR, Pengajaran and Pengajaran Ruma. So they have uh, classified the terms and mediums and assessments on how do we do that. So right now, we are well prepared, I guess, because we know uh, different mediums and how do we classify Than as online learning or offline learning or off-site learning and by having clearer image in our head we are able to tackle the problems according to the teachers and pupils and for other programs so far we don't really receive much directives yet but uh, digital textbooks are given to every school right now they are updating all the resources from time to time. They are teachers who do videos and they are planning to roll out uh, more programs on TVs. That's what I heard at least.
0: Mm. And uh, several parent-teacher associations have also stressed the need for parents to step in at home and to help teachers fill in the gaps and reinforce their children's learning. And you know, you did mention a bit about this earlier as well. So um, if you can expand a bit, you know, what's your view on this? Do you think it's doable?
2: Uh, I think they should but it really depends on the socioeconomic background of different parents. And because there are many studies uh, saying that parental involvement is positive for the academic performances of students. So that's what I think they should do. They should create a schedule for the kids and make sure they follow them and they need to make sure uh, the kids are disciplined enough to use the smart devices at home and provide help and not helping them to finish the homework. Because uh, some parents, they do complain to me uh, that uh, they don't bother to look at the instructions. Instead, because of how we kind of like ask them to complete the homework, the parents help them to do the homework. And that's not what what I want. So instead, parents should really try to encourage learning instead of like spoon feeding them. And of course, for younger kids, we need to let them understand the current situation. But in fact, for younger kids like mine, year one students, the parents sit together in online classes with them. So I think uh, they are doing much better helps compared to my older kids. But for sure, parents are busy. And there are even suggestions that teachers should carry out online classes during nighttime. And I don't know how are we going to do that. But hopefully, parents can get involved in online learning, and that's what I want and that's what I wish for.
1: So, moving forward, Lian, what other measures do you hope the Education Ministry will consider to help both teachers and students?
2: Um, I think they can consider to change the policy of uh, incorporating smart devices into the curriculum because uh, not many people, uh, not many pupils are having computers at home, and digital learning is a must in the future because we can see that from different countries, uh, Japan, uh, United States, uh, USA, UK, they are doing distance learning and they are having much better resources compared to what we have over here. And of course, I think personally, uh, they need to give some space for teachers as well, because uh, we are filling in a lot of forms. Uh, There are too much monitoring and uh, data collection. And instead for me, I think the time should be spent on preparing the materials instead and let the principals to handle uh, the monitoring instead. And there's no one size fit all measure and let the schools have the authority and providing help rather than like picking the needles out of a haystack and and let us do our jobs, believe us. But uh, certainly, we teachers, we do need help in school because like my school, I've got like 100 plus students and they are only like 10 teachers. And for kids, SOPs, they don't mean anything. We are having difficulty on asking them to sit on the place. We have problems of... uh, asking them to uh, observe the social distancing things so if the local community is able to provide helps for the teachers like uh, go to school and help us with all the SOPs and things and let us do our job of teaching i think it can work in green zones hopefully
1: Alright, thank you, Lian. That was Lian, a school teacher in rural Para, sharing his experiences of navigating online teaching and how he's adjusted since the first MCO last March. Yes, and it's interesting, right, to hear that the issue of accessibility
0: wasn't necessarily an issue for his students, even though they live in a rural area. Um, but I think more eye-opening was to hear how he and other teachers simply want to be more empowered to make sure that their students are on the right track and uh, he feel, how he feels that a different approach is needed to address uh, this uncertainty over whether schools uh, are when and whether schools are going to reopen and not to leave them as last-minute decisions. Uh, and uh, we were asking you on Twitter, what do you think would help improve online lessons during this pandemic? So still leading at uh, almost 62% is better digital access for the students and, and the teachers, I presume. Um, 19% say more teaching resources. 12% um, say parents' involvement is important. said um, smaller online classes would help and we have a few comments as well we have um, Prince Hassan um, saying that access to the internet is a fundamental human right at this point and it costs almost nothing as well so practical solutions can be similar to Indonesia's um, giving every family with a school child the highest and best data plan. We have Zainal Abidin um, saying that there are so many gaps and weaknesses uh, when it comes to the current uh, online learning that's being carried out and the first thing's is to ensure that every student has access to teaching and lessons uh, and the rest can be focused later or improve along the way. So, you know, access, right, in terms mm. of um, uh, be having the connectivity and then having the devices, of course. Um, Dylan Kevin says, parents need to get involved, ensure your kids attend the online classes, do their homework, study after, um, tutor your kids, treat the day like any other school day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether you have kids, Dylan. But
1: is that any is that like
0: any other school day? Abs- well, if it was any other school day, they'd be in school, <laughs> uh, where teachers are best placed. But you know, I I do agree, and uh, and Lian himself has said there is an element of parental involvement that is very crucial right now. Unfortunately, it's just for parents to find a way to juggle that, isn't it? And and, and if you didn't have to worry about um, digital. Uh, Connectivity and accessibility, you know, if that could be sorted... then the next step would be how parents can be better involved. Uh, we also have Muhammad Faisal uh, saying that um the timing and platform of all the classes should be standardized. And I've heard this a lot. It's mm. either um, if you have several kids, the different levels, they clash.
1: Oh dear. So they
0: can't share. I mean, you know, there's... Uh, the, if you don't the, have enough devices if you at don't home. Have enough devices, correct. And then some kids are using Zoom, some are using Google Classroom, some are using I don't know, WebEx. So it's just like parents juggling, oh, which platform are you doing for which lesson again? You know? Oh dear, it sounds
1: like a madhouse.
0: Oh, believe me, it is. Uh, we also have Kevin on WhatsApp. Um, Pretty interesting uh, uh, perspective from Kevin. He says, you can't improve online learning anymore. Let's go back to what worked. Nothing is more effective than non-digital, face-to-face, interactive learning. Call me old school, but let's be real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that a lot of teachers are saying that they do miss these these in-person classrooms, right? But the, the question right now is whether or not it's safe for kids and teachers and all other school staff to be back in schools, mm. considering that, you know, COVID-19 cases are in the community right now, even with strict SOPs. I think a lot of parents, a lot of students and teachers themselves are really worried about that.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I would also be concerned, you know, if, um, there was a blanket decision made to just open all schools across the board, mm. um, especially with, um, the numbers that we are still seeing currently. So, um, hopefully that, um, these decisions are being made with the kind of, Public health data—that's
1: right—that uh, that should be made available. Yes, and with the input of everyone who is involved, because this is this isn't just a decision that that you know that perhaps should be made at the government level, but should also take in the views of, you know, the people who are attending the school, the teachers, the students and their parents as well. And
0: the teachers as well. Yes, especially
1: the teachers, Mm -hmm. I think, because they are the ones who have been carrying this burden on their back since March last Mm -hmm. year. They've had to learn how to, you know, switch things up, make sure every student is on track. I mean, we've heard of all the stories of teachers going the extra mile, Mm -hmm. whether it's dropping by their students' place or finding ways to send homework to their students to make sure that, you know because they really have their students' best interests at heart, right? They want to make sure that every one of the students um, gets the best education possible. And that their learning is not disrupted. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. yep. So, uh, you know, that wraps up our story for today. But I guess following on that point, you know, 2021 is really proving to be more uncertain than ever with the announcement of the MCO, the declaration of emergency, and, you know, and following that, you know, the closure of the schools as well. So if you're feeling lost about where Malaysia is headed this year, well, there is a conference that might just be for you. So for its 11th birthday, Ideas, which is the Institute for Democracy and Economic Affairs is hosting a three-day online conference that looks at Malaysia from three perspectives so the economy, society and politics you can catch the Malaysian Outlook Conference 2021 starting from the 2nd to the 4th of February from 10am each day if you're interested you can register for the conference at ideas.org.my or you can also watch it live on their Facebook page just search for Ideas Malaysia in case that is something that you want to check out So that's all we have for today's show. If you missed any part of the show, you can, as always, download the podcast later on bfm.my slash Daily Digest, the BFM app or anywhere else that you get your podcast. After the 3pm, News on Live and Learn is an episode of Good Things where Dashan Johan speaks to Roshini Mukaya about the Malaysian Indian anthology of which she is the founder and curator. So that's bound to be an interesting conversation. After the 3 p.m. news bulletin. This has been the Daily Digest on the bigger picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my
2: or find us on iTunes, BFM 89.9, the business station.